Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Boss Talks. This is episode 51. I have a great guest today, Lindsay Holland. She is an independent consultant. She's been in the industry for, let's see, over 15 years. She's worked both on the property management side in student housing and conventional, and then took her experience over to the prop tech side of things as a supplier partner and has worked for various companies. Some of them as a customer experience consultant or person in that particular role and Companies like Home Me, Apartments for Rent, Lease Lock, Landing, and then currently just working as a fractional CCO. Really excited to have her and to have you here. So let's bring her to the show. Lindsay, thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. Actually, shout out to you, Evan. Like the community that you've built, the community that is Community Boss, like behind the scenes, I know that people don't really get to see it, but the LinkedIn channels, the offline stuff, the website, all the editing and the preparing. It's a big deal. So we appreciate you for putting all of us together, this community. And a lot of us are friends, but just didn't have a forum. And so it's been really cool to be a part of. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. And if nothing else, that is something I know is helping build community. And so I figured if I'm going to be true to myself and do marketing, I really figured the best way to go about it is to build a community around a brand versus just drive a brand down people's throat. So I figured if people experienced us in a positive way, they might get curious and want to know more. So that is what we're doing. Kudos. That is multifamily. It's a big community. I call it multifamily high school. So multifamily we're, um... high school. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, tight-knit industries. It's cool to be a part of. I'm going on my 18th year, which is crazy. Yeah. 18 years. So did you, are you one of those that started straight out of, or while in college? Cause I know you yep. were in student housing. So is that your story? You, you worked while in college? Yep. That was it. I just didn't want to have a roommate. I had a roommate for a minute. It was a girl that I went to high school with. We absolutely almost killed each other. It was absolutely oh, awful. But I couldn't oh, afford no. to live by myself. I'm just like a broke college kid. And the apartment community that we lived in was like, we'll give you free rent if you just work on the weekends and the rest is history. That's just, that's a lot of our stories. I don't think anybody like sets out like, I'm going to work in multifamily, but it's <laughs> once you get into it, you can't get out. It's a very special industry. It has unique challenges. We have unique tech stack and software, and there's a lot of opportunity here from on the operator side or on the supplier side. And it's a great, highly recommend it for anybody that wants to get into it. It's a great place to cut your teeth in terms of having well-rounded experience, right? When you think about it, the site teams are doing sales and marketing and P&Ls and customer service. This, all of those th responsibilities are encompassed in a singular person, right? Just your leasing agents are doing all of those type of things. And so it's just a great place to get your experience. And if you're lucky, you get to stay and be part of the family. But there are many people that just start out in this industry, go elsewhere. But there's a lot of people like me that just never left. <laughs> Highly recommend. All my, my friends are having kids now that are like for advice on what they're going to do. I always say multifamily is a great place to start and you, and you can figure out, I really liked the sales part of it, or maybe I liked back office and there's a different, I liked this path. It's just, you get a breadth of experience in this industry. No, it definitely for all involved. And you've also gone over to the supplier side as well. And so there's a lot of options on how to engage with this industry. Like I've talked about a lot with a lot of different people and you might find, like you said, you might get into something and you only like an aspect of it, but you get a great exposure and it's okay. You only that part. What could you do still in this industry using that, even that one thing and yeah. really expand yourself in that way? So yeah, I totally agree that there's, there is a lot of, and because we're not, we're big, but not big. If you do it right, 
and you network and you just get to know people, there there's an opportunity there. Yeah. If you spend some time in the industry, you're going to make some friends. There's just no doubt about it. It's just, you see the same faces from the suppliers to your coworkers, or you're at one company and now, you know, you guys are together again at another company. It's incestuous. And so we all run into each other one way or the other. So it's fun. That's what I love about it. It's really, it's the people, part of it, it's the work, but mostly the people that keeps me in the industry. It's just, I love work. I think most of the people in our industry are hardworking, smart. They have gumption. That's our Southern way to to describe hard work. But it's the people are what keeps me. It's just people like you or people. We spend most of our time at work. So it's important that you enjoy the people that you work with. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you can't stand who you're working with. That's, uh, that's definitely. Do you have some experience with that, Evan? (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) I've worked enough places and I've worked in a lot of industries, honestly. So it's not necessarily the coworkers as much as sometimes the people that are your direct, who you directly report to or whoever that, that can really make your life not fun. So I've had those kinds of experiences and yeah, you just. You got to figure out what's the best situation for yourself sometimes. Totally. Yeah. I, I, and I, and in all these Facebook groups and stuff that are specific to multifamily, you see a lot of people complaining and saying they're burning out and stuff. And I totally get that. But at the same time, it's like, what are you doing to explore the vastness of this industry and move beyond what you're currently doing? And if yeah. you only think that it's leasing agent to assistant manager, to manager, to regional, and those are your only options then you haven't done more homework. <laughs> Correct. There's tons of options. And it's funny you say that because the it wasn't my first job in the business, but my second job in the business was at this property in Lexington, Kentucky called Red Mile Village. I started as a leasing manager and they went through, I don't remember why this was so long ago, but they went through a couple of property managers and finally they were just like, okay, Holland, I've had it. We'll give it to you. But I was like 22. I was so young. And that I had no idea what I was doing. Everything that could go wrong at that property went wrong. They were supposed to deliver. It was new construction. It was a lease up. Was supposed to deliver in August. They didn't. We didn't have move in until November, December. They we changed management companies like two or three times. It was a complete nightmare. But guess who my leasing manager was there? Carol Van Hook was on that team. <laughs> so now she's she has since become a lifer. That was her first industry job. Lincoln Ogata, that was the co-founder of Easy Turn, was our maintenance supervisor. So now he's a lifer and he started his own company in the space. And everybody else, I think there's one person that left the industry, but even the kids that were leasing there on the weekends are property managers, regional managers now. It's just like a very special, chaotic, I know he's going to laugh when she's crazy place to be but we all just really trusted each other so we just came to work we didn't we didn't know what that day was going to throw at us but we just got after it kept our heads down heather sizemore was involved in that so she that was that's another community boss i can't remember there was it was crazy but in the best way so i made some of my best friends that i'm still in contact with through that experience and then that experience made careers for at least six or seven people that that was like I don't know, 16 years ago, it was a while ago. And so everybody is still around. Yeah. yeah. Just that it's, that was the gateway drug, Red Mom Village. I'll never forget it. Yeah, no, that's great. And like you said, you continue with those relationships and you've even moved across the country to LA and a lot of them are either in Florida or in Kentucky or whatever, and you're still in contact. And I think if nothing else, what I took from the pandemic is we had to get creative how we're going to get connected with people or stay connected with people. And now we've just gotten so used to utilizing technology like this to make connections and we're more used to it now and okay with it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to fly across country to see people now. (laughs) No, you can just zoom. Yeah. Zoom. It's nice to see people in person though. It is nice to see in real life some people but have the conference circuit for that i just saw carol somewhere so we run into people on the circuit which is nice yeah and i've been able to meet a lot of my guests 
through those different conferences. Just NAA recently was a lot of fun being able to do that and host a brunch and get people together. So it was a lot of, that yep. was really great. But Looking before for you. Ne next conference, maybe Optech. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. You. I'll be at Optech. Okay. I don't know that Perfect. we're doing any kind of, I don't know that we're doing any kind of big event or anything, but at least I'll be there. But before you jump any further into it, I just want to ask you a few questions. Like I always ask everybody sure. when it comes to building community, because we are community boss and me, myself, as we already stated, enjoy building community. And that's what I'm using boss talks to do is gather people together, even in a virtual way and sometimes in person. But how do you go about it? What's your personal or professional way of building community? I think the only way you can do it is authenticity. That's it. It's find a common ground, have an authentic excitement about it. And that's it. Like you can't, I've seen businesses try to feign community and it's, it's painful. But when yeah. you bring people that are truly like-minded and passionate, excited, enthusiastic about the topic, it's just mm. organic, right? And I think you have to, there's a little bit of an iterative quality there too, right? You can find people that are passionate about a like-minded topic. And then sometimes it's the format, right? And I remember you, for example, were streaming on social media at first, but it didn't, it wasn't the right yeah. distribution channel, right? So you had to pivot a bit and start it on LinkedIn. So I think the iteration is important too, like just figuring out, just like with any business, what is... How are we going to distribute this to the masses and where are the people, where's my community living? Is it on social? Is it on a professional network? Is it somewhere else offline? And so I've seen you do that with community boss, but I think find who out your, find who your people are and then find out where your people are. It's just as important so you can reach them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I've also learned is sometimes we can go too scattered and too wide and especially if you're a smaller company, like you can burn through a lot of money from a marketing standpoint, trying to hit every single channel. But if you just do a few as best you can, then obviously you may only hit a certain pocket of people, but then that certain pocket of people then will spread the message and you'll grow as a company is at least my hope, right? Yep. <laughs> I'm only one person, so I can't do everything really well, but let's do... Let's pick something in a channel. And I was hesitant to jump on LinkedIn and because I knew more people would see it. And I was like, do I want to be? <laughs> yeah, I want to take wanna... my training wheels on. <laughs> yeah, link... Instagram was definitely my training ground, my training wheels, we'll say. Yeah. And it, I, it was fun doing it, but it wasn't very effective when it comes to like, how do I utilize this in a way that's going to be useful? And I got really frustrated early on about the uh, the different technology I was using, and I was gonna throw the towel, throw in the towel. In fact, Leah Love Orsbin, which I believe you know her too, and maybe that's oh, yeah, how that's, we actually that's how we connect. It is. That's okay. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a student so, housing OD too. So oh, yeah. shout out to so, Leah Love. Leah connected me to so many people and still does. She's fantastic, and I like. She is a boss. I love that. She is a boss. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. But yeah, it was her episode was the last one I think I did on Instagram. And after that, I was like, I pushed pause and we were rebranding and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to continue, <laughs> but hurts. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I persevered. I've been doing it almost every week since ish. So yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, yes. thank you for answering that. Next question. If you were to have somebody over at your house for dinner, how would, what would you pick to make them for food? To speak the most hospitality and... Look, I love to cook. And I love to cook things that I've never made before. So when I have people come to my house, it's usually guest choice. Okay. Just tell me what your favorite dish is. I don't care if it's for a restaurant. I don't care how complicated it is. I don't care if it's your mom's recipe. Just give me the meal. And I find pleasure in doing something for the first time that I've never done before. So it's like my thing like lease ups you're starting something new new companies you're starting recipes same thing like i just want to start something from scratch i've never done before and that's the meal wine has to be included good music has to oh, be okay. included and then the guest brings the recipe yeah so you would stick your neck out there and try to make a dish you've never eaten before for somebody that it's like their mom's secret recipe or whatever, and you have enough confidence that you're going to make that recipe in a way that they're going to enjoy it. 
Look, I have a bad success rate. I didn't say good. Like, I didn't say I oh, was good okay. at it, but I enjoy trying. Right? At hey. least fifty percent of the there, there's takeout right around the corner. If it doesn't work <laughs> out, they have a Popeyes down the street and whatever. We're gonna eat regardless, but that's part of the surprise. Is like, am I gonna pull it off or not? But dead serious, I usually let the guests make the menu. Oh, that's fun. All right, good to know. If I'm ever in your neighborhood. <laughs> if they're a really good friend, they'll troll me by doing something where the ingredients are really hard to get. So I'm like running all over town to the Vietnamese spot and this like having to get very specific things. But most of the time it's easy. That's funny. So this is a thing. Like people actually know this about thing. you. Okay. Yeah. I, I love to entertain. I love to cook. I love to have people around. It's just my thing. Nice. Great. Yeah, anytime, anytime you're in LA, open invite. So, yeah, I wish, gosh, I wish I traveled more. Honestly, part of why I also started this is because I was like, I saw how much people go to so many trade shows and all this stuff. And I'm like, how can I reach more people but not have to do that? Here you go. <laughs> Here we are. I'm like, yeah, I just saw, <laughs> I just see so many people traveling so much. I'm like, I don't think I have the, I don't have the energy for that. I just don't like I went to NAA and I almost died when I came back. So I, like, <laughs> what do you mean for the, I, I, was, almost killed you? I was, I was so tired, so tired. If I did that, like every month, I just don't know if I'd survive. <laughs> multifamily conferences are special. It's a oh. special beast. You got to bring your um, liquid IV, your ibuprofen, maybe a five hour energy. <laughs> you gotta yeah. Come prepared. Yeah, and know that the next weekend I'm going to probably sleep the entire time. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it is. It's tough because you got to be up at 8 a.m. So it's, you have like your conference window. Then in the evening, you have like your social window. And oh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's much, not much time to relax. That week, you don't sleep. It's like from sunup to sundown, past sundown, you're doing yeah. something. Yeah, you'll see the you'll see the women, like our makeup starts to fall off through the first day. We're like, bright and sunny and then the next day i'm like yeah i could do i don't really have time for that and by the third day we're just happy to just show up that's it <laughs> that's funny yeah L libby not holland like you but holland she she says she's still tired from NAA. <laughs> it's a it's an aggressive and she, show it's, uh, and she's sure. young she's young too so i don't i don't even know so i can't it's not even if you're old like me connect me and libby will have to connect i'll give her some pro tips for next okay. year okay <laughs> yeah, no, she'll, I'm sure she'll very much appreciate it. Take her under my wing. There you go. And then last question, get you keep you going. Coffee, the caffeine, the whatever, the sugar maybe. Some people, they were like, I drink decaf, but then I load it with sugar. I'm like, all right, you do you. Okay. <laughs> so what is your go-to coffee drink? Ice Americana. That's it. Just wow, straight just iced coffee. Really, that's really straight up. You enjoy the coffee. Yeah, no creamer, no sugar, no nothing. Just straight up coffee. Man, you're the first to even say an Americano. And I'll admit, I can handle an Americano. I don't normally go that route, but I do like an iced coffee or an iced cold, like a cold brew. Those are yeah. my favorites. So, yeah, yeah, it's in the same family. Yeah. So where do you go for that though? Are you a Starbucks Just person? Starbucks. Okay. Yeah. That's how I spend my, I try not to book anything before 10 AM because I, I like to start my day slow. And so I, I just get up. I like to cook breakfast at home and walk to Starbucks. That's just like the morning routine is get up, make breakfast, walk to Starbucks. Like I start making my list to have the notes app and my I have shower thoughts. I have to get out on my notes app or like whatever. And same thing, thoughts on my walk while I'm just getting like pumping. And then I'll get back here about 10 a.m. and start getting after it. Okay. That's interesting. I've never even thought to do something like that. So you have, you quote unquote have shower thoughts and you write them down. Yeah. Yeah, if they disappear, if you don't write them down, they gotta go somewhere. <laughs> for me, for me, that's it. Yeah, you think it, you have your best ideas in the morning. You just woke up, you're starting I, your day fresh, and this is true. Know. I need. I, I find that there is truth to that. You're like your your brain just starts going, and I usually a lot of times I am like, oh, that's a good idea. So <laughs> I need yeah, to probably do a like, better job of capturing those and make sure that they actually happen. I'm like, <laughs> probably a lot of 
inspiration and different ideas and in innovations and new products come from shower. <laughs> shower, totally. <laughs> Think about how many ideas, great ideas were lost in the shower. That's, uh, yeah. I do my best work. So you gotta that's, write that. that's yeah. that, but that's just me. My brain kind of works like a popcorn machine. If I don't write something down, it's just, it's going out the window. So you gotta yeah. write it down while it's still there and then work through it. Some things are things that you're going to address that day. And some things are just ideas to put in the parking lot. You'll get to it whenever, but I have an extensive notes app for sure. Nice. So along the idea train, you again, started on the student housing, moved into conventional a little bit. Always Not really. Student. I stayed in. Yeah. Pretty much always student. Now my first job ever, the people the place where I worked on the weekends was conventional, but very shortly after that started in student and I always stayed in student. Okay. And then when you jumped over to the prop tech side, it was it prop tech or was it, has it always yeah. been in the tech field? Okay. Yeah. So how did you make that transition? What was that like for you? So my, the Red Mile Village, the notorious Red Mile Village was, it was a very small complex. It was, I think it was 340 beds, maybe 348 beds or something. It was very small. Fast forward eight or nine years later, I was managing an apartment community called the Lorenzo at USC that was about 4,500 beds. And so much bigger, obviously. And along the way from one, from that project, my first project to my last project, I had a list of ideas or things that if I could build it, it would they would solve a big problem for me or for the industry, things mm -hmm. that I was seeing. And I pitched one to, to a friend who happened to be in the tech space. He has a company, his name is Mark Douglas. He's a CEO, CEO of a company called Mountain. Mountain does connected TV. They're very big in the ad tech connected TV advertising space. And he loved the idea and we went out and raised money and started a company. So that was my first, that, that was my, my first adventure into the prop tech side. In 2015, we went and raised venture capital to start this company. And, and we did that for three years. Nice. And what was called that homie. called? It was, homie. It was called Homie. Yeah. Homie reversed the process of renting an apartment by making the application the first step of the process and said the last step of the process. So a renter would download our app. They would fill out an application and then they would see the communities where they were already pre-approved to rent based on their credit and their income and things like that. So we flipped the process. When you rent an apartment, you go searching, you found like the perfect place, you hand them your application and then you, there's this anxiety where you're like, Ooh, I hope I get in. Okay. There's not a lot of transparency because we, it's algorithm based. There's not a lot of transparency into like how, whether you're, you would be approved or not, or whether you have to pay an additional deposit or not. And so we were seeking to remove that friction by making it the first step in the process instead of the last. And so we built a company around that. And, and that was my first foray into uh, project. That's cool. That's actually a really great idea. Good job. That's, if you think about it, like when you go get pre-approved to buy a house, right? There's a whole process of thing. that. No different. It's like, you don't want to go and then get denied in the middle of the process. So same, you're and trying we were to quickly buy interested. A... Yeah, we, and we were mostly interested in the data. Like you get so much data up front about who's in the market and looking, what do their profiles look like in terms of how much money are they spending in the market and what areas are they looking to live? And you're getting all that at the beginning of someone's search instead of at the end of someone's search. We, we wanted to really use leverage that to build a better experience to help people find the right place to live because we're getting a lot of rich data up front. And so that's really what spurred the idea is just a passion for wanting to make the experience better. And it taught me a lot. He was an amazing mentor for me. We, again, we were building something from, from the ground up. I think we eventually ran out of money and we closed down the company, but we, so there's that, there's a lot of experience that comes from failure. It really served me well, but we had the million or so downloads before it was all over combined throughout the three years. So it wasn't a, wasn't a small company. We had a lot of social proof and a lot of proof from the market that it's something that renters wanted, but marketplace businesses are very hard to pull off. You have to acquire 
properties to advertise on the app. You have to acquire renters, which is very expensive on, on, on the other side of the business. And, and we couldn't make it work for, I won't bore you with all the reasons why we're still proud of what we built. And there, there's people, that's how I ended up in consulting because people are emailing me. I get emails every week. They're like, Hey, I have an idea or Hey, where's homie or Hey, can you help me with this? And, and I won't, I wouldn't give up the experience for anything. Yeah. There's a lot to learn from something that even if it doesn't completely work, like you still had a good idea. Is there anybody doing that out of what you there did? Is. Okay. There is. I can, <laughs> I can't disclose much about it, but there's some people that are, it's one of my clients, they're in stealth mode, oh, okay. so I won't out them, but there's, there are people that are, it's not exactly the same, but there's, there'll be some similar technologies that are coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Before we go any further, Joel, one of the founders of the company I work for, Community Boss, he actually has a question because we have one of our clients is the Lorenzo. So I don't know when you were there, there you but Woo! I think it was 20, it would have been 2013 to 2015, right when they opened. They were, I got there before they even had a certificate of occupancy. So like very early on. Oh, okay. Yeah. We probably became, they probably started using us just a few years ago. I don't think it was during your time. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, we're familiar with that. And we actually, so that's GHP, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have a number of their communities in our portfolio, actually. Yeah. Um, so I lived at the Piero and I worked at the Lorenzo. Okay. So the GH, oh, okay. GHP was life for a while. It's a great company too. Yeah. No, we, yeah, both of those, I'm pretty sure Piero is, yeah, is one of ours as well. So. Cool. Yeah, they had, it's their only student property. I don't know if it still is, but then when I joined, they had never done any student housing. And so they brought a lot of us on to help them figure out how to run this property. And they were, it's a very entrepreneurial company anyway. And it was a fun, it was a fun project. It, that and Red Mount Village are neck and neck for the yeah. most chaotic projects I've ever worked on. But it's just huge. It's bigger than a city. It's bigger than the town that I'm from. That community has more wow. people than the city, than the town that I grew up in, which was a very small town in Kentucky, but it is, has a lot of challenges, but it's a beautiful property. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. They've been a good company to work with. They've been, uh, not guinea, but guinea pig in the sense that they've jumped in with some of our early tech and ideas and they've been like, yeah, we'll try it. So it's cool that they are like that. They have that mindset of, uh, oh, totally. Juana that runs a show there is like super sharp and I'm not surprised to hear that. So there's good people over there. Yeah. Cool. And you just started to talk about the fact that you're working with some companies that are in stealth mode. To be honest, yep. when you put this down on the sheet, I did not know what you meant. They're in hiding. They're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not launched yet. So all of my customers are pre-launch or all of my clients are pre-launch. Okay. So how many are you working with? I have five. I have five clients and I think we'll see a couple of them come out this year and the rest probably early 2024. Okay. Can you disclose the types of things they're working on? Yes. I have two marketplace businesses. I have a, so marketplace business is like an ILS type. One of them will be similar to Homey and there's a, another company that they won't compete against each other, but it's similar. They're and the searching, trying to make things easier for renters to search and find the right apartment. So marketing in, in the ILS space. I have one that's a maintenance, that's maintenance and turn related. And I have one that's AI related. They're going to be working on FinTech, the financial aspect of managing an apartment from how we can use data to automate some of the financial decisions at a property. Really, and they're focused on using people for experiences and automation for transactions. And there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in our space to, to automate things and make it easier for the site teams to focus on relationships with their customer rather than just tedious tasks. And so they're working on that. So I'm very excited to see the rollout for all of them. And my involvement really is just helping companies that don't have a lot of domain experience to learn our industry. Like, we basically retrofit their product for multifamily, right? Let's just say you're starting an insurance company, like in multifamily, you're not really starting an insurance company. You're starting an insurance company with multifamily features, right? You want to, we have very specific needs. We have very specific software. We have very, so 
I help them retrofit their product so that it's very easy for multifamily customers to use. And that, and to ensure that we're taking away something from the properties, not adding to, I think we're seeing that a lot in the supplier space is that the site teams are using so many solutions and they're all disjointed. It hurts more than it, it helps. And we're seeing a lot of operators use that and evaluating whether they want to roll. Something. Really looking at it through that lens, making sure that it's, you know, our customers at multifamily operators enjoy using this software and it really does solve a problem for them. And then the second part is just kind of the go-to-market plan. Once we figure out what product market fit is, how do we take this to the market? What are the channels that we're going to use? How are we going to socialize this? Who are our early adopters, beta customers? And so those are the two things that I really focus on. Nice. That's great. Like you said, when you don't have any experience in the space, you could be building something that you think is a wonderful idea. And it is a good idea. But it is. Is, is it a good idea for this space? <laughs> or well, you, it... you make it through multifamily high school. That is right. the question. Is it going to pass the multifamily high school test? I don't know. So that's what we're doing is we're packaging it up so the solution can assimilate into multifamily high school and hopefully graduate at some point. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's fun. I really love to build, I mentioned it earlier, but everything I've ever done in my career has had some element of building from scratch. And so this has been very rewarding because I'm not just working on one thing, I'm working on several different things. And, and as those companies mature, I'm picking up other new ones that are getting in the space and it's been really fun. Nice. And so what's your advice to people that may want to launch a new product? In multifamily, you need you need to figure out the space. We can't, just as you alluded to, just a good idea is not enough. We really, our industry has specific needs. They have specific operational protocols. They have certain, they have, we have specific business drivers, which for most of our customers is a lot. You really need to learn the business because just because you rented an apartment once and had a good idea in the shower does not make a company. There's more to it. And it's my, my advice is to have reverence for this industry. And at the end of the day, it's in the businesses, it's in their best interest, right? You don't want to, you're going to burn through a lot of cash learning the industry if you don't make an effort to recruit somebody on your team, get an advisor that can help you navigate that, which I did. Um, Lisa Troisine and Kate Good were my advisors. That helped. They helped me figure out how to get socialized the solution through multifamily, which we did. And thankful for that to wonderful mentors and advisors. If you're starting a company, those are two other great advisors that are great at making introductions and giving great advice. But my advice would be if you don't have someone already to figure out how to get a domain expert on your team to help you in the early days, right? I think that the need for that diminishes over time. But when you're, when you're first starting out and cash is important, your pre-revenue, you probably need somebody on your team to help in that way. Yeah. And there could be a need for it at other stages too, but I guess it just depends on how you're structured and how you're growing. Like us as yep. a company, we're a little different in the sense of we never took any venture capital. We just have grown at a clip that was comfortable and doable. And so we've been healthy in doing it that way and eventually became 100% this solution that we currently call Community Boss and the three that fall under it. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people that are, they got to figure it out quick because they'll run out of money. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Amen. It laughing. Yeah. What's the biggest thing in your mind that you spend money on when it comes to a tech company in the early stages? Advertising. If you're, if acquisition costs are very expensive, that's more so on the, on the, in the marketplace businesses, the B2B acquisition is a lot about relationships. The great thing about multifamily high school is that there are there are ways that you can create some virality on the B2B side in, in multifamily because it is such a close-knit community. But if you're starting a, a company where you have to acquire users and consumers to at scale, it's very expensive. And you've really got to focus on getting figuring out how to acquire customers affordably. And you really need somebody with experience to do that. It's not the way that if you're doing direct response on Google or Facebook or, or Meta, wherever, it takes some, someone with the experience. It's not 
it's not a skill that you can just Google and figure out quickly. Like you really need some deep domain experience in that area to do it well. Yeah, That's the most, that and payroll obviously are both very expensive. So if you can keep your headcount low as long as possible, if you can figure out how to acquire customers affordably, mm -hmm. those would be the first two big rocks to move, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what would you do first? Obviously you got to create the product. That's probably first, first, but after you've done that and you're in stealth mode, what, at what stage of stealth mode do you start formulating the marketing plan and get and launch that? Like where you guys are at in your iteration of figuring out these five companies that you're in stealth mode with, at what point do you go, okay, we're ready to launch? It varies based on the business and their budget. That's all. There's no one size fits all, but I would say 90 days before launch. Like you're always thinking about it from inception, right? Like it's some, the channels and the launch announcement. Those are all kind of things that you're always noodling on. But I think just to put like pen to paper and start finalizing things like 120, 90 days pre-launch. Some, and sometimes it depends, like if a conference is one of the things that you're going to have in your toolbox to make an announcement or go to, sometimes you have to prepare to get your booth reserved and things like a year in advance sometimes. It just depends, but the earlier you can plan, the better, obviously. But, but yeah, at minimum, you need 90 days preparation, I'd say. Yeah. And you're probably like starting to have those side conversations before you publicly launch that those people that are influential, put it in their ear, get them knowing about it and all that. Yeah. All, everybody that I'm working with now has, it will at least do a private launch before they do a public launch. So you've got a couple of customers that you're testing things with and those customers inevitably have told some people like, Hey, I'm doing this stealth mode thing. I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I'm talking about it anyway, type of thing. And so the word gets out. People start with, again, very small industry and the word gets out organically, but the goal is really to just, you have all this planning, you have all these thoughts, and these ideas and their product, but you've got to test whether all of this effort that you've made to put this program together will actually work or not. So you'll take a couple mm -hmm. of customers that are used to being early adopters. They want to raise their hand to be an early adopter to, and the meaning they know there's going to be some bumps in the road and they're signing up to iron those out with you and doing that in a small setting that's contained with a, just a couple of key customers. Usually we'll try to do one a customer on Yardy, a customer on RealPage, a customer on Entrada, right? So you've covered your bases in terms of software systems, but get a private beta going. And then once you have signed off on those, then doing the public launch. So sometimes the goalpost moves a little bit based on what happens. The launch goalpost, so to speak, based on how well the beta goes, you might have to delay launch while you fix some things. You just never know. So, is, so you just mentioned it. Do you as a part of your early stage in development and getting ready to launch, you make sure you're integrated with Yardi and Entrada and RealPage and maybe some others. Oh yeah. The customers demand it. You might've be, you might have been able to get away at least on the products that I'm working on. Maybe not every product requires yeah. that. There's heavier lifts for different products, but everything that I'm working on does require an integration. Yeah. So how many is enough? Where do you start? You start with Yardy because, okay, biggest fish, biggest swarm on student intrada. And at least it's not costing you to integrate other than the development, but. It varies. The uh, If I had my druthers and if I had budget for it, I'd say do Yardy real page, right? I think those are the two good ones to start with. But if you don't have the budget, then start with Entrada because it's open API. But as, as much as you can get the integration kinks out of the way earlier on, the better. But sometimes you just have to do MVP and get launched and do that stuff later. But it's really hard to break into the enterprise space without, without the integrations. Some of the smaller guys are probably okay with it. But once you start working within right. property management at scale, like it's a must have or else the site teams are just it's too tedious. Right. No, that's hundred percent true. We've learned that we've jumped in and we've got two integrations done with real page and Entrada working on Yardy and then others will follow. We didn't start that way, but we also didn't start with 
we started slow. We developed the product first and then over time have discovered, hey, yeah, we need those. Yeah. No, I'll tell you, I actually had a customer that I had to drop. It's the only customer I've ever dropped because part of the op operationally getting their solution to work, they had to get information from the property. They didn't want to do an integration. So their solution to that was they just wanted to call properties all day long on the phone and ask them questions what? and they weren't open. They weren't open to do it otherwise. It was wild. It was just like, hey, guys, this isn't, you might get some customers, but you're going to lose a lot of customers because they, they actually don't like using your product because it requires their phones ringing like a call center all day long. It just doesn't work wow. like that. And we just so like, couldn't, we couldn't see eye to eye on it. So we just had to part ways. Yeah. They definitely didn't know the industry. <laughs> no. And that they, they wanted to torture themselves. Can you imagine? Oh, those, yeah. Those property managers were probably giving them hell all day. You again? Well, Why are you calling yeah. me? Well, this what's, is crazy. What's funny is that's literally what ALN does. Like <laughs> they call properties to get their data. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. And can you imagine if all of us were calling, we're just that lazy. We're just going to call properties all day to just, it's just, it's yeah. life doesn't, it's Ugh. not. Yeah, yeah, integrations crazy. are where it's at. It's just one of the things in your toolbox that is required in order for your end users to enjoy using your product. It's got to make their life easier, not harder. Integrations is a great way to facilitate that. Yeah. You know, that's, that is definitely true. And I, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but sure. when I was on the operator side, there really was no support for parking in property management integrations. Has that changed at all? What do you mean by support? Because you guys, like, there's no, like, map that you can pull from their property management software that has the parking spaces. Or I guess you can have a, there's a report of the numbers mm. and the people or the units that are assigned to those, but spatially, like, where those things are located and is that stuff housed in the property management software now? It's housed because we build it. Okay, got it. Great, love that. <laughs> Shower thought. Uh, look into parking boss. So, got it. So yeah, it was. It's a off, need. Just, if I can share, it's my show, but I don't want to take your time. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm curious. So, so we have we had iterations, right? We had parking guest parking management was our starting point. Then we added residential parking management, and then at some point we added a smart map just for parking management. So. We've been doing that, as Joel's saying right here, since 2017, and Lorenzo was our first customer. So there you go. And Lorenzo, <laughs> nobody needed it more than the Lorenzo. Their parking situation is wild. So I'm going to share good, that, good actually. That's, there you go. So <laughs> you were actually, in a way, a part of our story. I I guarantee you it was Luana, but I can't take any credit for, for that. But the Lorenzo is definitely a special project. Yeah, so we have a map and it's getting smarter every day. It really literally is where we show the availability of each space, whether, and you can actually like monetize spaces. You can say, hey, this space is worth this amount of money and I'm going to rent it out as a premium space or whatever, however you want to do it. But it, it tells you whether or not they're assigned to people or whatever. All the things. So you guys yep. are filling the gaps that don't, the things that don't exist in the property management software. You guys are enhancing the parking technology in that way that, that probably doesn't exist in their uh, property management system. Absolutely. We do it all, yeah. Lindsay. <laughs> Look, it is much needed. Parking has just been like one of the, like the last things that we've automated, right? It's like at a lot of these communities, it's just an afterthought, right? You, you're just worried about getting people moved in the door and heads on beds. And then you're like, wait, we got a parking. Yet <laughs> it's such 4, a 4,000 parking spots. <laughs> like Joel just said, 2,000 space garage Lorenzo has. So yeah. that's a lot of cars. Crazy. And then you don't, there's all the things. You don't know who they belong to. You don't have an easy way to check. Think that. about all the guests and their students. Like there's 4,000 mm. students that live in that community. Think about how many guests they have. And they have a valet situation. There's a lot going on over there. Yeah. Yep. So we definitely help you. So. 
It's too bad you didn't have it when you were over there, but it's there now. (laughs) It it really truly is too bad, but that's cool. Yeah. If you're ever in LA, I highly recommend, obviously call me, I'll take you over there. But if not, like you should definitely check it out. It's like very interesting community to see. They have a Bellagio fountain. Like it's crazy. Yeah. All their communities are very interesting. Like they have an interesting architecture. They're not like just a modern community. No, they're like roman whatever or correct yeah no it's wild yeah i don't have an opinion on the on the design aesthetics the italian theme but but the amenity all of them have like super mega amenity packages very almost all of them have full-size basketball courts in them i think like everyone has a full-size basketball indoor basketball court at all of them which is very unique package they put together but they've been very successful at it yeah that's cool for sure all right. We can talk more about my product on the side. Maybe there's interest there. We'll okay. see. You got your plug. So you're good. <laughs> and then finally, like you're remote working just like any, anybody else, but you, you put in here that you like to bring a little color to the work, the remote work experience. So what do you mean by that? No, I need advice on how to bring color. <laughs> advice. Okay. The pandemic made things a little blurry, but I haven't really been working from home. Like, I guess since the pandemic, I've, part-time been working from home because we've all just, we were navigating that for a couple of years, but now I'm like full-time working from home and just need, I know a lot of other people are working from home, but like how I'm getting very, Hey, I didn't see a single other human today. It's just been working on in my apartment. So I think I mentioned to you that I just moved to a place that has they're just there. Like they have this work from home center, right? Where there's this 20 or 40 people every day. There's a little bit of buzz going on, which certainly has helped. But any advice on keeping things interesting while working from home? I'm getting cabin fever a little bit. So I hope my community boss network has some ideas about how to power through that. Coffee obviously helps. It gets boring. Is it just me? No, I, so I personally, I have a, I live in the suburbs, so I don't have a lot of options other than like coffee shops and things like that. So I actually find myself, my best option is Panera. And I actually go there twice a week, usually. And I'm a part of their like unlimited sip club. So I get coffee and other drinks for quote unquote free, but I pay for it, obviously. But it's my way of being around people. Now I'm not around necessarily a consistent flow of professionals, really. I'm in the suburbs and I don't know that everybody knows that you can do what I'm doing because I literally work there the entire day, which most people won't do that. But but yeah, I think there's an opportunity to create a co-working space for the suburbs. I I fully believe that. So I'm I probably would, I would agree. I feel like I need to jump on that sooner than later before somebody else does. And it's been in my brain for a while now. And I just, yeah. Hey, community <laughs> boss expands. I mean, our technology along with our access control integrations could actually be a good solution for doing that. I must say, there, I think it, uh, can, uh, there could even be a marketplace for apartment communities open. They have these conference rooms or business centers that never get used and you never know, but I have been extremely bored. Get it, get out of the house, <laughs> check out the board. Cause I'm working obviously, but I'm just, so I'm you're an get extrovert. Amongst, get amongst- you need some real life, real humans. Yeah, I'm probably a blend. I'm not, I'm like, if I go out for an hour, I need to like be by myself for an hour. Like I I kind of need both. If I ramp up, I need to ramp back down. So I'm not like a super extrovert, but, but yeah, just the energy. I don't necessarily want to engage with anybody, but just seeing, (laughs) yeah, just the residual energy is nice. Yeah. No, I, so I've been working remote for years, so I find going to the library is a way to do that. As long as you don't really have a lot of phone calls. Some of them have rooms you can rent too, actually for free, but I go to the library or I used to, I don't really go there anymore. I'll be frank. That is an option to be be around (laughs) humans though. That is a way. And then coffee shops, obviously, but the only thing with coffee shops is they can be very loud. Like the coffee machine, And if it's the typical one where it's not carpet, it's like a cement floor, it all echoes and then people are in there and it's super loud and you can't have a phone call with that. Yeah, totally. It is a thing. (laughs) So it's a thing. Yeah. But there, there is a need and there is work and stuff or whatever's 
commonplace of we work and its weirdness but the yeah. there is a need for that and being remote and never being around people even if you are an int- introvert i think it's something to we got to figure it out i, I know problem. community boss yeah, even breaking up my day like this talking to you has been nice having zoom calls with customers is nice but i don't have a zoom call every every day we'll we'll spitball on the side but yeah just looking for ways to even remotely break up my day because it gets monotonous at home every yeah. every day if you need somebody to talk to ever just give me a ring <laughs> yeah i i like talking ideas and stuff so if you want to bounce something off All somebody right. i'm here for we'll you. do it we will do it <laughs> well thank you so much Lindsay, for jumping on even in the wake of your we haven't even said what it was but the stuff that happened in the midst of fourth of july and yeah we had to reschedule but i appreciate everybody that jumped on even still and then we had a glitch with the event itself don't know how that happened but we made it work we're here we finished we'll get it out there we'll get there to the masses (laughs) i gotta make sure carol van hook sees this whoever else shout it out leela all the peeps yeah be be sure to share it with them now it's come it's recorded immediately following you can share it with whomever you please be sure to do that okay but thank you Lindsay, again and for anybody else that wants to be a guest on boss talks it is a platform where i open it up to everybody so if you have a passion to share and interesting things to talk about i want to have you as a guest so reach out to me and let's do it but until next week it's been boss talks 51 with Lindsay, and we'll see you next week thanks a lot bye Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.